You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and I'm so happy you could join us for another podcast on Google's number one Toronto real estate podcast called Toronto's number one real estate podcast. And I'm so excited today to bring you some more news on real estate. It's going to be a good one. There's a lot of really cool news coming out as the coronavirus, which obviously isn't a cool thing, is happening. For example, apparently Justin Trudeau is getting in trouble for not talking French enough. And apparently McDonald's is planning on importing their beef. And I'll tell you, it is not the same if you go outside of Canada. I like trying McDonald's. It's actually a little bit of a a hobby for me when I travel to other countries to try the McDonald's. And I don't think I've found a country that makes it quite as good. But we don't want to get into that stuff because at the end of the day, that's not going to make money come into our pockets. Today, what we're going to talk about is real estate. And more specifically, I want to answer a few questions. We're going to start off talking about the Canadian mortgage rates. They've done some really funky things lately, unpredictable things. And the question that I want to ultimately answer is, are we best in a fixed or variable rate mortgage during the COVID-19 crisis? Then we want to get into looking at people who are searching for properties. Are people actually looking at properties at all? Or are they completely reliant right now? on virtual tours. And finally, I want to talk as May 1st is looming over our heads, especially as landlords and investors who are following our podcast. Will you guys be seeing the rent on May 1st? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's available as far as information for us. And we're keeping our finger on that as well. And so I'm excited to cover these topics. And as always, make sure you guys leave a review, give us five stars, depending on what platform you're using, give us a thumbs up, leave us comments if you have any other topics or articles you want us to cover. What we pretty much are doing for anybody who's new is going through the daily articles that have come out in the last 24 hours to 48 hours that are the cornerstone of information that are applicable to us as investors before we invest in Toronto real estate or people who are currently investing that matter to us and things that are gonna ultimately affect our investment. Okay, so let's jump into fixed or variable rate mortgage. This article comes from movesmartly.com. I'm quickly becoming a fan of this website and their articles because uh, they're good. And so this this article is called Canadian Mortgage Rates Are Finally Starting to Fall. And it is a little bit more of a detailed one. Follow along. I'm going to explain to you because what it actually does here is it tells you what is happening and why rates are moving, but then why they're not and what is happening now. So things have changed. The, The subheading is in spite of rate cuts and more aggressive measures, mortgage rates haven't lowered until now. And I like to think that I've talked about this on the podcast. I'm going to assume I have along the way mortgage rates not really going down when you assume they do. But right now we're starting to see things kind of bouncing back, which we'll see in a minute. Most of the borrowers borrowers I speak with these days are surprised to learn that mortgage rates are higher now than they were before oil prices crashed and the COVID-19 crisis began. That is understandable. Our five, so what is this is explanation? Our five-year fixed mortgage rates are priced on the five-year Government of Canada bond yield plus a premium of between 1.25 and 1.5. The five-year GOC bond yield has plummeted of late and closed at 0.44% on Friday. In normal times, that would put our five-year fixed mortgage rate somewhere between 1.69 and 1.94. That's where they should be. Anybody who's applied for mortgage lately knows that's not the case. Our five-year variable rates are priced off lender prime rates, which move in lockstep with the Bank of Canada's policy rate. The Bank of Canada slashed its policy rate by 1.5% in March. 
those are the big cuts that we saw. And it now stands at only 0.25. Five-year variable rates have also tended to float at between 1.25 and 1.5% above the Bank of Canada's policy rate. In normal times, that would put those variable rates on in between 1.5% to 1.75%. And many of you, again, know that they're over 2%. They're all north of 2% right now. We recently learned that 1 million Canadians lost their jobs in March, while an additional 1.3 million Canadians remain unemployed but earn no income over the same period. It goes on to say how the April employment data is going to get even worse, and they're expecting more than 600,000 Canadians have been approved for deferred mortgage payments. So these are reasons why the Canadian mortgage lenders have raised rates against this backdrop. And there's two reasons for it, okay? So even though they should be in lockstep with the declining interest rates that we're seeing happening in the lending rates. They're not following these things instead, because in light of what we just heard and in light of what's coming, they actually have increased their rates in some cases. Their funding costs rose, number one. Financial markets became strained. Liquidity started to dry up and significant risk premiums were added to their normal rates. And this is why I think I've mentioned this in past videos because we kind of talked about that side. So because of the risks, the fear that you guys are having out in the marketplace right now is the price going to go down, is everyone freaking out? There's These are people who work at the bank that are tracking the same thing. So anytime there is a risk, they're going to buffer that in and say, you know what, well, we're going to charge people a premium. If you're going to come back and, and do that, we want to make sure it's worth it because we're investing in your house too. I want to make sure that's a good investment. And if it's not, you're going to pay a little bit more for that. And the second reason is their appetite for new businesses waned in the face of so much economic uncertainty, right? So you can kind of see this picture. It's like the out of the uncertainty and the confusion, they are businesses too. And they don't want to put their neck on the line in an environment that's risky. And if they are going to do it, they're going to charge more. Just look at private mortgages. Those guys are charging 10%. And why? Because it's a high risk, right? So as the risk goes up, so too will your amount you can charge. And these guys clearly haven't followed the, the rate drops, which is why what what I was talking about, I don't, now as I'm kind of walking through it, I know I've talked about this before, this is why we were tracking the declining interest rates. And I always was saying that a declining interest rate isn't going to save our our economy. Like right now, the, reason, the main thing that's going to save everything is going to be the removal of this virus or a vaccine. This is generally everyone agrees this is what's going to fix things. Until that happens, to just drop your interest rate is not going to help. What will help, though, is what they actually go on to talk about here. In addition to slashing its policy rate, the Bank of Canada began buying up federal, provincial, and corporate debt and launched other programs to spread liquidity to just about every corner of the market it could reach. At the same time, our other policymakers relaxed capital buffers, expanded credit facilities, and launched a myriad of other measures to keep credit flowing. The Bank of Canada's firehose approach to monetary policy appears to be working. So this is what works, guys. Throwing money at the economy works to prop. We're literally just supporting it financially, propping everything up. The interest rate dropping. Just let me ask you guys, in all honesty, if the costs of buying a house go down, is that a motivator right now for you to go out and buy a property right now? No, like you've you already decided, right? Like we're not we're not stimulating more spending. The whole point of bringing interest rates down, and I'm not an economist, but generally speaking, is to try and stimulate. It's a, it's an act of stimulating and going out and purchasing. Don't save, spend. People are spending money right now. They're sitting at home. They're looking for opportunities to cut their, their car insurance rates. They're looking for opportunities to cancel their Netflix subscriptions or whatever. They're trying to save money. They're not trying to spend money. And dropping interest rates isn't going to fix that. But propping up the economy is what needed to happen. And it has happened. And that's why things are still afloat. 
fixed mortgage rates dropped steadily last week. So now what they're talking about, by the way, is now what's happening in the last week, because this is important. So now, finally, they're starting to bring their rates down. And so the counter that they don't talk about in this article, but my question to you guys, why do you think that is? Could it be possible that maybe the risks have started to come down? And this is kind of what we've been hinting at is what we talked about very clearly yesterday. Maybe they're not as freaked out. So question to you guys is, are you still super freaked out? Mixed mortgage rates dropped steadily last week. While they still aren't back to pre-crisis levels, if they keep falling, they may get there soon. Variable mortgage rates haven't yet responded to the same degree because their associated funding costs aren't easing as quickly. Okay, so fixed rates we're seeing have started pulling back, mortgage rates not so much. And so they answer this question. I'm going to answer it myself too, but this is their, their suggestion is a few weeks ago, I suggested this author that most borrowers would be best served by going with a variable rate option in the current environment. That logic was based on the fact that while both fixed and variable rates are elevated, variable rates are lower and more importantly, more flexible. Vari- variable rates come with the option to convert to a fixed rate at any time. And they're also typically cheaper to break. For now, my advice remains the same. I still think a variable rate makes the most sense for any borrower who won't lie awake at night worrying about the remote chance their rate might rise in the near future. That said, if fixed rates keep dropping and variable rate discounts don't widen, the choice will no longer seem so obvious. Okay, here's my take on it. Okay, so clearly this guy is pro-variable rate. And a lot of brokers I talk to are pro-variable rate. But I think it comes in from after having a full understanding of your situation. So you need to analyze yourself personally. I think to give a, a response on variable versus fixed, they do it because of their readership. And if you had a choice, fine, variable. But here's the thing. If you're buying a first property and you're you know, putting only 20% down on this investment and you're kind of tight, then maybe a fixed rate is going to get you through that first five years until you're fully established in our marketplace, right? Because you're just trying to get your foot in the door. Or if you're buying a property, you want some certainty, fixed rate is the way to go. But here's the thing. A fixed rate, even though it's fixed, is only for fixed for five years. So in three, four years from now, for example, you're only fixed for another year or two, right? Like you're fixed for five years at front, but as it gets so if interest rates change which they most likely will over five years you're going to still be susceptible to those same changes it's just happening later and more extreme right because you're going to jump from let's say you got locked in at 2.7 now and rates go up and now in five years from now jumps up to 3.5 overnight instead of in a variable which happens at the speed that interest rates change so variable and fixed they need to they are different like but they're also ultimately they lean to the same goal and so it is it does show statistically that variable rates come out on top over 25 years so if you can budget for variable rate mortgage go for it but i would not write off the fixed rate and right now fixed rate apparently getting a bit of a better deal but in theory as things become more stable and rates stay low and and i guess the question is is our rates going to come back up but if rates do stay low then the variable is going to win for sure in the next few years all right so that's mortgages some good stuff. Let's move right along here. And I want to talk about showings. And how do I want to tackle this? Let's see. So this article it comes from torontostories.com. The article reads, it's called actually, Ontario Real Estate Showings Gradually Rebounding Amid Pandemic. So what I want to do is talk about showings. Now, um, before I do, side thought on this article, there was actually reference to, I think it was Property Guys or one of their for sale by owners, guests that were talking in this article. And I actually cut that whole part out, not because it's property guys, respect to those guys. If you wanna try and sell your house, go for it, no problem. But what they were pretty much talking about in that section was virtual tours and that there's a higher application for virtual tours. And then they kind of stroked their own ego saying how they've been doing it for a while, good for you. So is everybody else. 
But virtual tours, I'm not completely sold on, are going to lead to the purchase. What I'm more interested in, and I'm pretty vocal about this, is the showings and the number of sales. And now here's the thing. Showings, I think it talks about this article too. Showings that happen right now are mean a seriousness, a unique seriousness that they're not just tire kickers, right? Because people aren't running out to kick tires right now. So that's a good thing. So what, So seeing an increase in showings shows an increase it's a, an early sign of increase in activity, right? Which we are also seeing. So here we go. So let's jump into this article. As the real estate market continues to take hit after hit as a direct result of COVID-19 with both prices and sales down in the GTA, it's hard to imagine we'll be on the other side of the pandemic anytime soon. But if it's any consolation, Toronto home sales finally started to see some slight improvement in the past week and real estate showings are also gradually starting to increase in Ontario, proving there is still an underlying demand from prospective buyers, albeit at a very different level than what it might typically see in the province at the time of year. So given that it's the spring. Now, if you, I'm going to graze over that because they grazed over it. But guys, if you have not listened to my podcast yesterday, I did say it's going to be one of the most underrated podcasts. And I'll tell you it is. I was right. I was accurate because we're talking about the bottom and no one wants to hear about rock bottom prices. But if you have not listened to that and you're, you're in, you want to know what's going on in our marketplace today, go listen to that because we actually talk about the most recent stats that are coming out and they're very interesting. So go back and check that out. You'll see this improvement that they're talking about. We talked about yesterday morning. Okay. So this company showing time analyzes weekly real estate showing data from the first calendar week of January through April 27th with a seven day moving average. So they've got, They've got the stats in the last seven days as it relates to showings, which is a different angle. Here in Ontario, you can see showing activity has been gradually increasing since the start of the year up until around March 16th, right? There's that March 15th drop off we talk about. When COVID-19 emergency orders were implemented and real estate showings were halted before plunging on March 30th to the lowest weekly average of the year, it sat around 65.7%. However, as we eased into the new months, showings started to slowly pick up before seeing a significant increase leading up to April 27th to reach a weekly average of minus 42.2%, nearly a 25% uptick from its lowest. Guys, there has been, since its lowest point, a 25% increase in the number of showings. And they have it on a little chart here. It's kind of fun. And it shows pretty much the same U-shape is starting to form that we see as far as number of sales. This is what we talked about yesterday. Sales went all the way down and now we're coming out on the other side of a U-shape and we're seeing that same thing on showings. So if both of these things are trending upwards, activity is starting to come back. So that window where you're like, I'm going to wait until prices bottom out, I'm going to say, I said it yesterday, I'm saying it again, it is looking more and more like that is happening right now and we're actually, that might even be behind us. So just be very on the button. If you're ready to pull the trigger, we want we want to make sure we're tracking these things very closely. And that's where you give me a call. We talk more about it. While the showing activity shift might be minor, it's definitely indicated that buyers and sellers are still interested in making transactions happen, pandemic or not. So very interesting stuff. Number of showings are happening. Number of sales are happening. Things are coming back to Toronto. Maybe it's because people are getting a little bit homesick and try and have been sitting and saying, you know what, screw it. Give me a reason to go out and get sick just to go look at houses. That's fine. Maybe that's what's happening. Could be just a freak accident. But at the end of the day, we're seeing a lot of strength and we know how many buyers there are in the GTA. We know that we've seen that guys. Let's not be oblivious to what happened six months ago. Same people that saw the collapse happening in 2017 when all the psychological warfare was going on with the foreign buyer tax happened. Everyone was like, oh, no one even wants Toronto real estate after all. We were saying it back then too. No, there is a 
ton of demand and a lack of supply, and that's still the case. So let's not fall into the same fool's trap that we did last time. All right, let's jump into tenants. This is going to be fun. This is going to be controversial. It's where I make my enemies and I grow my fan base with friends. All right, we're going to talk about tenants and rent strikes and all that fun jazz. This article came out of the Star. I believe it was yesterday. Struggling tenants are going on rent strikes, quote, and landlords are getting desperate. Clearly, this article, by the way, was a very pro-tenant counter argument to landlords. But what it really was, and I think the reason they could take that stance was they were talking about a very specific story, which I'm not going to dive into. But what it was is the guy in Oshawa, okay, he went to pay his April his April rent at the beginning of the month, but he was short 200 bucks for whatever reason, okay? And the landlord at that time refused to work with him on it, right? Like he's he's not being cooperative, the landlord. So like, and, and for anyone out there who's maybe listening and is like, I didn't even collect 50% of my rent in April. Maybe you're thinking, well, what a dummy, right? And I would agree. Like, what a dummy. Like, work with these guys. If you knew what kind of roadblocks you're up against right now as a landlord, you wouldn't be picking fights with this guy, right? But he did. And all of a sudden, now we have a pissed off tenant and he said he's not paying his rent as of May, Okay. And this, I don't know if this is a unique story, but it doesn't sound all that unique, right? Like it sounds like you're just giving, like if you have a tenant that is semi angry for whatever reason, maybe you didn't fix their, you didn't fix their hot water tank for, uh, you know, too, you took you too late. It was the weekend. You know, you didn't, that, that moron, he didn't call in the hot water. He didn't call in Enbridge to come fix my hot water tank because it was Saturday and they pay a little bit more for it to be repaired. And you wait until Monday. What a dummy. What a jerk. I'm not going to pay him his rent this month, right? Like any of these pent up anger, even if you weren't angry, now's a good time to become angry, right? As a tenant, like you're going to, you're going to get mad at that landlord. Or you're going to come up with every reason in your mind to justify why keeping your rent, because at the end of the day, your, your benefit, your emergency benefit is only 2000 bucks. And if your rent is even half of that, what screw that, that's my money, right? And that is the attitude that's coming out of a website called keepyourrent.com. These are the kind of posters you see pasted all over the place. And I really think the Facebook page subheading is so funny that I had to share it with you. This is what it says. It's just, it's just words. There's literally just a black screen with words and it says, tenants, keep your rent, landlords, keep your distance. So funny. So I want to jump onto their website and kind of describe for you what I'm seeing. Okay. Cause they've changed their image since the last time I saw it. It's, it literally says on the top on May 1st, right? It says on May 1st. And then there's this kind of this image of this, guy and this girl and they're chained like they're they actually have like chains around them and the money it's got like a little the one guy has got like a can of flag so it's like must be justin trudeau i don't know if that's supposed to be justin trudeau doesn't look like him but he's dropping money in this girl's hand and all of a sudden you've got this other guy reaching over her shoulder to try to snatch the money from her hand and it says keep your c-e-r-b keep your rent that's what it says at the top so they're, they are on it, guys. They're uploading these things all the time. And so as I kind of look down into it, it says we're keeping our rent. They've got some contact information there. And hey, if you're a tenant, go check this out too. We should know. Like these are these are your rights. Like, don't get pissed off when people are educated about their rights. So as we go down and we look, like I'm seeing some interesting stuff. Like there's an article here. Like these are just clickables, by the way, so you can research it further. Didn't pay your rent? What comes next? CERB, tenant relief or landlord bailout. And then it says, find your neighbors, how to organize your neighbors, right? Like they're trying to create some kind of coalition here, which is cute. And how to research your landlord and why you should. And what do I do if my landlord PDF? So like there's a lot of answers, a lot of information here to educate 
tenants, which is good. Like, again, I think that's a good thing. Like, you guys should be educated on this. But I find it so ironic that there hasn't been any kind of support from the government in easing this tension that's kind of going on. And as I see articles like this, it just means there's more and more tension building up. People are becoming more and more desperate. They said in this article, they talk about how the landlords are desperate, but the tenants are desperate too, right? Like this is a two-sided street here. Everybody's desperate. And so you create this conflict that would not be perfectly resolved, but be at least kind of calmed down for the time being in our marketplace if there was any kind of support given by the government to support landlords and tenants alike by giving a direct money to the landlord in place of what the tenant would owe. And this isn't new. We've seen this in other provinces. We've we've covered that in past podcasts as well. But here's another th- side of this argument too. It's not just the residential side. I wanted to highlight one more time. We talked about it a while back. And go check it out. The episode 36 of our podcast called Yet Another Real Estate Bailout. And we were talking about a new program called the CECRA program. What that was, just in in summary, was the government was offering to pay 50% of the rent for certain businesses who qualify. The landlord would cover 25% and the tenant would cover 25%. But the problem here is it was optional at the choice of the landlord. And so there's been a lot of conflicting arguments by other parties saying that it's not good enough. And so the question is, it will be good enough because that will also line up with our May 1st deadline. And so you might have, a, and it'll be interesting to see in the first week of May, who's collecting rent, right? And this is what we're going to keep tracking here. So if you're not already following us on Toronto's number one real estate podcast, please do. Um, okay. So I want to just give one more highlight from our, just as an update from our video yesterday, we were talking about Doug Ford's plan and I was, I had some, uh, pretty controversial, but not really. Apparently it's not even not a controversial arguments that I didn't think it was very substantial. I thought it was a bit of a, a, a waste, kind of just politically moved. But here's the thing, like there's actually people calling them on it now and even the opposing parties are doing it. So let me read this article from the star. Doug Ford promises more details this week as what businesses as to what businesses will be able to reopen. This is what we were asking for, right? Good job, Dougie. As Premier Doug Ford scrambles to put some meat on the bones of his vague plan for reopening the economy, he's asking businesses to suggest regulatory shortcuts they need to help during the pandemic. I saw something about that yesterday. That was actually really interesting. He's asking people to reach out to them to give insight. I don't have it in here, but this is kind of what they were talking about. To reach out to them to give ideas on how we'll make their business easier to operate, which is actually a good idea, right? Like we're always talking about throwing money, but if there's a way to do it that doesn't necessarily cost money, and they're actually allocating money to that as well. But if there's anything blocking you that hasn't been addressed, you can contact them now, which is cool. One day after releasing a 13-page framework for getting Ontario up and running again that has been panned for lacking any details, Ford promised to deliver more information later this week. The premier told reporters at his daily teleconference on Tuesday, so this came out yesterday, that, quote, clear sector-specific guidelines, end quote, would be made public within days. Pretty good. Pretty good response, considering how lacking the last one was. And I think this is kind of funny. Apparently, I'm like a super liberal person because that is what the NDP leader, Andrea Horvath, and liberal leader, Stephen Del Duca, Duca? Del Duca, I don't know among others, that his economic restart plan did not offer enough specifics. So apparently the opposing, the opposition leaders agree with me. And I mean, it was such an easy thing to poke at, man. Like, come on. Like, the plan is a joke. It was a joke. So hopefully we got more juicy stuff coming for us later this week. And it'll, this prospect of information seems to be enough for people to be coming back into the local real estate market. I think that's, it is part of it. As much as we criticize it, there is an effort being made and people are seeing that. The report warned the province would 
need to see, quote, a consistent two to four week decrease in the number of daily COVID-19 cases before any prohibitions could be lifted. And just so you guys know, yesterday we had another increase after three days of decreases. So reset the clock. It's kind of like when you're in that factory and it's like, we have had this many days since our last injury. Well, that day is number one. And so we're going to have to wait a couple of weeks. But here's the thing. The plan to have a plan seems to be sufficient for people to want to be coming back into our market because they know how bad it's going to get on the other side. That's all the information I have for today. I'm going to see you guys again with another daily podcast tomorrow. And I'm so happy you could join us on this journey as we continue to learn as news unfolds and hopefully translate some of it to you. But I'm learning too. It's a great journey that we're on as we're all in lockup here for COVID-19. I'll see you guys tomorrow with more. Take care and keep it real.